Good day and welcome to another episode of the International News Desk. Whether you are tuning in on snl24.com forward slash Soccer Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Play. Welcome to the show. I am your hungover host, Sean Roberts. But today we have Kurt the Dirt Buckerfield and Kamohelo Motetswane in the house. How are you guys? Shawnee, good thanks, pal. How are you doing? I am hungover as discussed. Come on, how are you, my brother? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to. I'm happy to hear that you made it in one piece. Yes, you still got I'm, it. You know, I'm, you're not too I'm old. I'm still here. I'm committed. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just what I do, right? Um, guys, uh, let's let's move swiftly into uh, Man United. There's a lot of the show in Man United. Uh, in the latest dramatic twist, Kurti, I know it's your team in a controversial saga. <laughs> I'm slurring. The Glazer family is poised to sell a minority stake at one of the world's biggest clubs to Sir Jim Radcliffe. What's happening? Yeah, so it's it seems like for now it's going to be a 25% stake of the club. And I think that the belief is that he's going in at 25% with a view of eventually becoming um, the majority stakeholder. I yeah. think that there's been sort of arguments or disagreements within the Glazer family. Some of the, the brothers want to sell, others don't. Um, so I think that's why this this isn't going to be a full sale. Um, and fans are obviously, and you know, I, I sort of get it. They, they're a little concerned that little will change, that 25% doesn't really give Radcliffe the, the room to actually make the changes that are required at the club. Um, but if I'm going to give you my opinion, I'm actually going to say that I'm pretty relieved that that United aren't selling to Qatar. Um, and uh, anyway, so so that's the latest there, Sean. Um, yeah. I'm not sure when that will be official, but I do believe that there was some meeting held last week. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I get the concerns from fans, but I just don't... I don't think that United fans should be so desperate um, to... Yeah whether it's to win trophies or whether it's to compete with City, um, I don't think they should be so desperate um, to the point where they, they want state ownership or, um, a, you know, a Qatari guy to come in when for, for years and years, Manchester United fans have, have judged um, oil money and yeah. um, have judged the Middle Eastern royal families coming in. You know, Manchester United fans have judged Manchester City They've judged Newcastle most recently, judged PSG. Um, but just because they are tired of being trolled on Twitter, they now want that for themselves. And I just yeah. think that that's bullshit. And I think Manchester United is a is a club with tradition and with values. And I, I do believe that the club should stick to that. So, um, yeah, I'm not saying that Sergeant Radcliffe is the way. And I, I really don't know how this is going to play out. Um, but I will be honest and say that... I'm a little relieved. Yeah. Come uh, on, those questions for you. Um, 25%. What does that get Sir Jim Radcliffe in a club? Kurti, you're more than happy. Uh, more than welcome to jump in as well. Um, yeah. 25%. I mean, like Kurt alluded to, it's not really much. Um, I can attest, as an Arsenal fan, I can attest to uh, <laughs> when the the, 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 the Cronkies, like, they, they still didn't have, like, a majority um, of mm. the... Of the of the of the ownership of the club, but they were still able to, you know, talk to other other the other stakeholders and be able to maneuver. So I think it while it may not give Sir Jim Radcliffe everything or 
everything that he he wants mm. or envisages from a sporting side and a sporting project, there's still scope to maneuver and to 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 delegate because yeah, at the end of the day, while you may not be a majority shareholder, mm. you're still you're still there, you're still inside, and you can speak to the other people you're involved with and in in an association with. Um, yeah, I don't think it, it's all doom and gloom. Uh, he's obviously the niece owner as well. Mm. I don't know how that's going, but they they seem like they've been pretty competitive, and I don't see why. You know, he's a fan mm. um, from what's being reported, and I don't think well, I don't see why he he wouldn't be invested mm. in making Manchester United better. You know, I don't think he'd just be looking at it from a commercial side. But for the time being, I think yeah, he's just gonna want to take um, control of this the, the the sporting project of it. Um, yeah, I guess the commercial side will, will come to fruition when he takes control of the full the full club. Yeah, Katie, I guess twenty five percent. I'm not too sure what price that is, um, but he would want to be making some changes. I guess uh, any any insights from your side, Kurt? Yeah, look, I've seen that he, he he does want to make some changes. I think he wants to make a, a stadium upgrade, mm. um, which I believe that fans in in Manchester um, think is is really really important. Um, I think there will be a few staff changes that he wants to propose. Um, and then I think he's also proposed like a, a sort of delegation yeah. where um, certain board members have a certain amount of say and they'll be able to to make some of the big decisions at the club um, going forward. So all of that is obviously yet to be confirmed. Yeah. But I just also want to point out that I think as a Manchester United fan, and this might be, this might be a controversial opinion in some way, but I... I don't think that the, the spending that would have come with Sheikh Jassim yeah. taking over is is what Manchester United need. Yeah. I think that Manchester United over the last 10 years have been so irresponsible with money yeah. and have spent loads on very average footballers. Um, and that's what's gotten us into trouble. And I would be worried that, you know, Sheikh Jassim comes in and does essentially what Todd Bowley is doing at Chelsea yeah. to, to an, I mean, it's, it's been embarrassing for Chelsea. I know they're actually playing some good football now and they seem to be a club on the up and Pochettino's a great manager, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But um, for the last year and a half, they've got it horribly wrong. Um, they've got a, a massive squad. Um, they are buying every teenager who can kick a football at this point. Mm. I, I'm willing to throw my name in there if they're keen. Um, <laughs> And I just don't. I don't see. I don't see that approach for United being necessary. I think that that would be even more worrying for me, and I think that that would bring even more instability. So I think it needs to be a measured approach. And I, I like the fact that, you know, like Camo just said, now that Sergio Radcliffe is a fan of United, mm. I think it will be um, measured and considered, um, and they will slowly but surely, I hope, start to to make. The, the right decisions for for the club going forward mm. and not this sort of scattered approach where we are just trying to buy every talented player under the sun. And then also, I've seen so many Manchester United fans get duped by this idea that um, Sheikh Jassim wanted Kylian Mbappe. Mm. You know, he wanted to bring Mbappe to the club. That is absolute nonsense. And even if he did want that, that's never going to happen because we all know that Mbappe is going to be playing for Real Madrid next season mm -hmm. or in the near future. Yeah. So I just think that uh, there's this desperation among Manchester United fans that I really, really despise at the moment. Um, you know, it's it's bigger than that. Um, I, I think that Manchester United fans need to need to remember who this club is and what this club is. And although it hasn't been very good for the last 10 years, mm. um, 
you know, in the in the bigger scheme of things, in the grander scheme of things, ten years isn't a long time, mm. and uh, we can still get back, um, get get back to our best. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's stick with United, Curti, and this is not on the sheet, but any truth in De Gea coming back to United <laughs> in that three month short term. Uh, loan spell, I guess, or it's not even a loan. I guess it's a full-on contract. I think is going to the Africa Cup of Nations. I read that this morning. Is any truth in that? I don't think so, Sean. Not, eh? No, 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 no. I don't okay. think so. No. Good chat. <laughs> Good chat. Uh, straight yeah. with you. Straight to, straight to bed. <laughs> no, that, that's fine. Um, come on. Uh, okay, well, I mean, we have Harry Maguire, Onana, save the day for United here. Um but I guess, I think save the days, of, you know, obviously, yes, they save the day, but you should be beating Copenhagen, you know, Kurti, five, six goals yes. at home. Um, so save the day is a bit of a, a a big call, but yeah, happy for Anana, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'd, I'd say that. Um, what a full circle moment kind of yeah. uh, for him, because yeah, like, like we said last time on the show, um, you know, basically the reason why United were pointless up until that point, up until the, the Copenhagen fixture, what was essentially because of Onana, mm. you know, and yeah, what a what a full circle moment and for it to to cut to boil down to that very last minute and that penalty save, then yeah, well, I think it's a beautiful story for him and I hopefully um, it could kickstart uh, the rest of the season because while it would have been good for United, I think, to play well and to win convincingly and, 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 and win 5-0 and 6-0, I think that there's more to be said about them, you know, really grinding and pushing for 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 a hard fought one no, you know what I'm mm. saying? And for their two like out of sorts stars like to be the main protagonists in in their in their in their essentially in their victory, I mm. think that's really cool. And I think hopefully for the team, like they can get to a much better place, you know, they can build that team spirit and that team chemistry um from a from a better foundation. So yeah, it was good for them and much needed because had they not won, it would have put their Champions League aspirations at a tremendous, in tremendous risk. So, yeah, good for them. Good for United. Um, yeah, I think United. So it's always nice to see United in the knockout stage of the Champions League. Um, mm. And I'm sure Scott would have been sick seeing them in Europa League after being in the Champions League again. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, especially for Nana. Yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was a good encounter, yeah, for sure. Kirti? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I was obviously very relieved, but uh, I do just want to point out that when that penalty was awarded, I thought maybe this is the day I'll run away from home and never return because I, I could not believe that we were that we were in that position again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Considering the chances that we had created, yeah. Um, you know, in the second half in particular, we played some some nice football, but we just couldn't put that fixture to bed, mm. and it was incredibly frustrating. Um, but as we spoke about, I think a few months ago now, Sean, we said that um, all of the noise will go away if United just keep winning. And it's been three wins in a row now. It hasn't been great football, mm. but that's three wins in a row and that's something to build on. And I think that um, if there's anything we can take away from uh, the, the last you know, three fixtures is that we've, we've picked up three points in, in each of them, which is, yeah. which is a good sign. Yeah. Especially when you aren't playing good football. Yeah. Obviously, fans are, are frustrated that the, there seems to be no sort of team chemistry and team dynamic. But um, as long as we're winning games, we, we have a better chance of, of getting to that level. So, 
yeah, I was I was very relieved, super happy for Nana. Um, he is he has been poor, you know. Um, there's no other way to say it. He's been poor since coming to the club, mm. but that was a big moment, and um, I hope that it's sort of the the turning point for him. And a word on Maguire, he's been playing really well. Um, mm? He's been super. Hey, has he? Of course. Sure. Okay. The last two. I mean, the last. Let me just say this, Sean. The last two games, he's been excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last two games over the last 12 months. No, but he's, he, he's been good. And he's been super professional. Yeah. He's put his head down. Yeah. He didn't want to leave the club when they wanted to sell him. Um, he wasn't interested in a move to West Ham. I, I criticized that decision at the time. Yes. And, uh, you know, it could still go either way here. Yeah. Um, and let's just point out that his last two good performances have come against teams like Sheffield United and Copenhagen. So I'm not saying that this man is is turning his Manchester United career around totally. But uh, the way he's responded to the criticism yeah. and to being out of favor, it's admirable. And I think that if he continues to play this well, then there shouldn't be um, any reason for him not to be in the side. So, so hats off to him. Kurt, you, you say that this isn't going to like revitalize his career or anything. And yes, he played really well against two mid-table teams in their respective leagues. But isn't that exactly what he needs? You know, he, he might not shine against Manchester City or a PSG. But this is going to be a huge confident boost, don't you think? No, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. And I think that he's probably feeling pretty confident right now. Um I think he spoke about uh, he spoke about that after the the game against Copenhagen. He was talking about um, how happy he is with himself in terms of the way he has responded. So that's great for him, and I'm I, I'm thrilled for him. And I do think it will be a massive confidence booster. Um, but I still think that there's a long way to go here, and I think that he still isn't Ten Hag's preferred first choice centre back, and that when Lissandra Martinez is fit, he will come into the team. Um, but having said that, Ten Hag said Maguire is playing exactly how they want him to play um, and that he's been really happy with his performance and attitude. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, look, I hope so. I hope this leads to to bigger and better things for him. But um, I think there's still a lot of time before we can make that conclusion. Uh, Kurti, in terms of form, I mean, let's jump right into the biggest game of the year, possibly across any sport. Um, the big Manchester derby happening this weekend. Uh, United, as you mentioned previously, finding a little bit of form. It couldn't have come at a better time, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think United will feel... I think there'll be a quiet confidence in the team. I mean, we did beat Manchester City at home last season. Mm. Um, and there's been okay. a few times over the... Lo- okay. Rub, what? rub it in. That's fine. But there's, but there's been a few times over the last few seasons where Manchester United have pulled off big results against City. We did it under Solskjaer quite a few times. Um, and I, I think that, like we were talking about now, these these wins will give the team confidence. Um, I, look, I'm I'm not going to put my my neck out there and say that I I expect Manchester United to beat City this weekend, um, but I do think that it'll be um, a close game. I'll, I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I guess it's like a final, right? Anything can happen in a final. It's one of those sort of games where. I, th- I think City should win. Oh, where is the game being played? Is it at home for City or at Old I Trafford? I think it's at Old Trafford. Okay, yeah, so it's, a, it's a biggie. Um, I, th- I think I think City should win, but like you say, Kurt, any, anything can happen, right? No, anything can happen, Sean. Um, I, I would expect, to be honest with you, I would expect City to win. Mm. Um, like like we talked about now, United aren't playing 
good football at all. Yeah. Um, defensively, been pretty shaky. Yeah. Um, Onana's not had a, a great start to the season. Um, so I would expect City to win, but um, as a Manchester United fan who's observed these fixtures over the last couple of years, I also wouldn't be surprised if we we actually we did it. We picked up all three points like we did last season, Sean, not to rub it in at all. <laughs> Uh, get the dirt. Let's touch on Ballon d'Or. Uh, I think we can both agree it's between Messi and Haaland. Uh, obviously, it's going to be a tough one. Obviously, Messi winning the World Cup last last year, Haaland just being absolutely sensational. What's who's your money on? I think. Look, I think it's going to be Messi. Yeah. Um, Fabrizio Romano seems to have information that points to the the winner being Messi too. I think he tweeted it last night. He said that. Understand all the indications are set to be confirmed, but Messi will be the final winner once again. Wow. Official decision to be unveiled um, Monday night in Paris. So, so look, I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Messi fan, obviously. Um, but I just, uh, I, I would love for Haaland to win it. Um, not because I find it boring that Messi could win his eighth one. Yeah. Which is obviously the most and would be a record extender. But um, just because Haaland did help inspire City to a treble, you know, an historic treble. Um, He was excellent all season, 52 goals in 53 games, Um, loads of hat-tricks. He was just sensational. And I do think that he performed better over a long period of time. Now, Messi obviously won the World Cup, which is a huge, huge advantage for him. Um, And we mustn't forget that this award is voted for by journalists. I think there are 100 journalists around the world who get to have a vote. And a lot of these guys will still think of the World Cup as the most prestigious trophy to win. Um, So I think that they will be favoring Messi. Um, I said it, I think just after Messi won the World Cup, that the Ballon d'Or is his because it does seem like um, whenever it's a Ballon d'Or, year, Ballon d'Or year, a player who performs well in the World Cup is is favoured. So yeah. I think it's going to go Messi's way, but um, I, I, I would have wanted to see Erling Haaland win it, I won't lie. Yeah, agreed. But yeah, I mean, player of the season, oh, sorry, player player of the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realise it's his eighth one, Kurt. That is ridiculous. Yes. So I think 2021 was his seventh and this... <sighs> if he wins it on Monday night in Paris, will be his eighth. At 35, 36 years old. Yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely ridiculous. Let's move on to something more somber. Um, Sandro Tonali is not the only Italian player facing a ban in terms of sports betting as both Aston Villa's Zaniolo and Juventus Fagioli (laughs) are implicated in the ongoing betting scandal. Fagioli has obviously already been banned for seven months this is crazy. What's happening with the Italians? Um, yeah, look, it's a, it's a crazy story. And I, I do think that I have a slightly insensitive take on this. <laughs> if I can share that with you, Sean. Please, Kurt. Please. Um, now, vulnerable. I know that gambling is, and uh, the addiction to, to gambling is, is a horrible one. Um, and it's because that, you know, there's no real, um, there's no real physical effect. You can't feel it in your body or... It's it's something that it's a mental health disease yeah. essentially, and there's been I've I've seen this very very close to me. Um, someone in my family suffered with this and, and oh, still really? does, obviously. And when you're an addict, you're always an addict. 
So I've seen it and I, and I understand the implications and the consequences, um, which is why I do think that it's kind of convenient for, for all of their agents to come out and say they're addicted to gambling. And I, ah. I think the sympathy, uh, not the sympathy, the, the, the strategy there is to draw some sympathy and yeah. to potentially get maybe... Um, Clever. What's, what, what, what am I saying? Less harsh or what's yes. the word I'm looking for here? More no. lenient sort of, sort of bans and punishments. Um, because like you, you said now, Sachioli, he has been banned for, for seven months. For Sandro Tonali of Newcastle, um, it's, it seems like he's going to be getting a 10-month ban. And I think that might be because he was betting on Milan matches while he was at the club. No. Yes. So I don't think that he was ever betting on them. Well, this is what I've read at least. While he was playing... Um, it was always when he wasn't in the squad and he was always betting on them to win. Um, which in some ways is kind of redeeming because yes. if, he, if he was betting on, on on them to lose at any point, that would have been unforgivable. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so could you just explain, yeah. I guess, for listeners, what's actually happening? Are these guys just betting on games? Are they betting on games that, uh, or teams that they've played for? Uh, because if they're just betting on games, is that... A little bit too harsh in terms of or well, is it so, so illegal sure. as a sportsman or what? So the crux of this, I think, the crux of the story is that they were betting on an illegal gambling website. Gotcha. So the actual site that they were using is 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 is, is a banned website. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that as a football player, you are allowed to bet on other sports. Yeah. Um, but you aren't allowed to touch football. You aren't allowed to go anywhere near it. Yeah. And I do think that they are harsher when you are betting on your own team. Um, like we saw with Ivan Tony of Brentford, the, the same thing happened to him uh, earlier this year where he was found guilty and he, he had been betting on, on his team uh, or, or on himself to score. I think he had been, he once even bet on his team to lose when he wasn't in the squad, which was no crazy. Yes, and I think that's why it was such a harsh ban. Um, and yeah, and then the third player, you said Nicolo Zaniolo of Aston Villa. Um, I think his case is still being investigated. But uh, back to Tonali, Sean, there's a, an interesting question floating around. Was uh, AC Milan aware of this? Did they, did they get wind of what was going on um, and then decided, or before deciding rather, to cash in on him? Um, yeah. Because a lot of people are saying now that it sort of made no sense for them to sell. He was potentially a future captain of the club. Um, potentially a future Italy captain. So why would AC Milan be wanting to sell a player like that? Yeah. Um, and as 64 million is a lot of money for, for any club in Italy, yeah. um, but it's not 100 million. So uh, it begs the question, you know, were they aware of this? Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a shit one, obviously. And I do think that they probably are being maybe a little too harsh on these guys. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's that's the price you pay, unfortunately. Yeah, you say harsh, but there's, you know, stupidity. There are rules, you know, you need to, Yeah, it is, it is stupidity, Sean. But if it, so like, that's what brings me back to, if it is a real addiction, then, you know, then we don't know what they are going through. And then it is horrible. But yeah. uh, if they're just trying to throw some money on, on sporting events, yeah. then, uh, then it is really stupid, of course. And especially if you're doing that on an illegal website. Yeah, also bizarre. These guys are earning two, three, four hundred thousand pounds a week and the, the need to gamble, I guess, the need for more. So yeah. it's bizarre. 
Yes, it's, 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 a, a tough one. it's a bizarre one. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, right, back to uh, my favorite part of the podcast, Seeking the Socials, where our producer Aiden seeks the socials, being Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and he asks us a few questions. Aiden. Gentlemen, welcome to Seeking the Socials. This has been a long time coming. Sean, Kurt, Kamo, welcome. It's, uh, it's great to have you all here. It's great to hear your guys' opinions on this. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Seeking the Socials is, is, is it a segment where I scour social media to find the most interesting, topical, and sometimes controversial opinions relating to football over the last week. Sometimes I inform the lads of a topic, and other times I get the gents to pick a topic by choosing a social media platform. So this week, I thought I could suggest the, the social media. It's not going to be a lucky packet this time. And this is uh, this one came from Twitter. The amount of comments and retweets was crazy. It is a broad question, but I, but I thought given the special occasion with all three of you here, it seems fitting. So, in your opinion, what is the greatest thing to ever happen on a football pitch? Albeit a goal, a celebration, or even an incident. I want to hear what you guys have to say for a moment on local soil and a moment on international soil. Sure. I think international, Kurt, if I may, Kamal, uh, it's Go got to it, be Maradona's hand of God. Mm. My my humblest opinion. Okay. Local, yeah. it's got to be, uh, I think, 1996, 95, when we won the AFCON. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Sean Norbert's penalty saved. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. Which one are you talking about? Oh, 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 oh. Whoa. Whoa. Thank you so aggressive. Please specify, Sean. Wow. Um, yeah, I've got to go Maradona, hand of God. I'd love to hear uh, everyone else's opinion on that. Local's got to be AFCON, I guess. Uh, or even Banyana as well. Uh, but I think whenever we go back to local, we always go back to 90s. I think it's 96, right? Um, 96 in terms of what we achieved. Come on, what's your... Uh, Sure, that's a biggie. Could be, I could be missing something very obvious here, but uh, that's my opinion. <laughs> no, they, they, those are those are quite memorable uh, moments. I, I can't lie. I, I'll go for for ones that I I was alive for. Uh, so <laughs> locally, I think I was alive. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing will ever top like seeing Shabalala score against Mexico. Oof. I think Oof. that was like that was something like I'll I'll never ever forget like forever unbelievable for the rest of my life <laughs> it was so magical like it was so great so it was so I think that yeah that locally like was like immense and then and then internationally I'd have to go like to to the World Cup final man mm. this, this past one was mad so yeah seeing Mbappe do that I, I know Messi was on another level but seeing Mbappe score a hat-trick like that under the circumstances um, his team down against the greatest player of all time yeah that was that was um, iconic shit, man so yeah, I think those those for me are like the two the two standout moments in my footballing life, like that I've ever yeah. seen, like the craziest. What I, I don't know about you, Kurt. I was I was gonna say so I had the the Shabalala one uh, the Shabalala one lined up as well. Yeah, right. That that for me, <laughs> no, I swear. I mean, that for me was the best moment that I've ever had as a fan. And like you know, you're seeing it now with the Rugby World Cup. Is the sort of feeling you get when you're supporting your country that you can't compare to anything else. Like when it's your people doing it, it's just the best feeling in the world. And I remember we were watching with like 20 friends and we were at this this guy's house and they had this massive TV room downstairs and there were just 20 of us sitting on these 
couches. Yeah. And when that goal went in, it was just mayhem. And I was wearing a beanie, a Bafana beanie, and I still to this day haven't had it returned to me. <laughs> it was never to be found again. That's how chaotic it got. And it was just this feeling of like, we all criticize South Africa for how things are sometimes, but a sporting moment like that, and it sounds cheesy as hell, no, no, no. but really does bring people together. And it's like, there's, there's nothing else in the world, to me at least, better than that feeling. And um, I'm feeling that now with, with, with the Springboks. Yeah, um, I'm feeling that even now with the cricket team. Mm. I mean, they are playing some beautiful stuff. Mm. Um, and uh, I just hope that, you know, in the future we can, we can feel that way with uh, Bafana. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that was the most memorable for me locally. And then internationally... Just to touch on that, Curtsy, um, yes. two things. I don't believe that you wore a beanie and that you actually have 20 friends. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, good shots. There were, there were two of us, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I was bald. Two and a half. One was a midget. <laughs> okay. um, but then the, the international moment for me, I think it will have also been the World Cup last year, but it wasn't the, the final. For me, it was... As a, as a big Messi fan, something that has driven me crazy for so many years, and again, it's because people have short-term memory loss, but um, Lionel Messi from about 2008 to 2015 was the big match player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think Ronaldo, when he won that, that, that three-peat with Real Madrid, sort of became the big moment guy. Um, but Messi in Champions League finals at Wembley in 2011, most memorably for me. Um, in 2009 against Manchester United as well, that headed goal over Van der Sar. So he was the man for big moments. And it, it drove me crazy for so many years to say that Messi never did it when it mattered. Yeah. Um, and that obviously tied in with with the, the finals that he lost with Argentina in 2014, I think 2015 and 2016. Back-to-back Copa America losses and then the World Cup in 2014. Um, so for me, the moment was when Argentina were playing Netherlands um, in the quarterfinals and Messi did that that jink and then that sort of through ball for um, Molina to go score. Was it Molina? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like, for me, it was this like this realization that is happening. Yeah. This guy is doing this now at the World Cup on the biggest stage at 35 years old. And it's just magical moment after magical moment. Like, I still have goosebumps thinking about it, but it was just this moment of pure genius, which like perfectly encapsulates what Messi is. And on the biggest stage, um, in a match where Messi sort of turned into this Maradona figure, where he became nasty and ugly and was doing the, the ears to Louis van Gaal and <laughs> was tussling with Vegost and after the game calling Vegost a bobo and he was just, just this animal yeah. um, and it was so unsporting but it was like yes this is what the Argentines yeah. this is what people want from you like your, your, your Argentina fans this is what they've criticized you for for so many years for not having this this fight and this this spirit so when he was doing that and then also producing those moments as a footballer that just leave or as a fan that you are just breathless. I mean, I just remember thinking, what the hell just happened? Because no one saw that pass happening except for him and Molina. Um, and it was just beautiful. And that's the moment that, yeah, that that game, that moment was just everything for me. Yeah. You see, that's why I love getting your opinion, guys, is because 
I would never have thought of that, obviously. Uh, <laughs> nobody even come on. But it's not in your current state, Sean. Not in my current <laughs> state. Uh, Aiden, just a quick one. Your side, any any best moments besides uh, hisfirsttime.com forward slash Mm, yeah, good one, good one, Sean. Thanks for that. So, yeah. for, for me so. personally, big moments in football or in any sport, you have to consider what it does for a nation, what it does for the supporters, what it does for the emotions of the fans. And I'm going to echo Kurt and Camo with the the local the local uh, soil option being uh, that goal against Mexico in 2010. I think. I think everyone had it down that Bafana weren't going to score. Yes, we didn't get out the group stages, but holy shit, what a goal. What a finish, that that pass. Yeah. It's, it, I don't want to say it reminds me of the 95 World Cup because I definitely wasn't born then, but that goal like brought a unity to the country. Um, I would have held yeah. it. You know, well, well, Sean, funny, funny you say that because my international moment again comes from the the last World Cup final. Right. Oh, I thought you were going with a Rene Higita. That's right. I thought you were going with a goalkeeper. Before That's also time, a great Sean, before my time. Yeah. In the final, you know, Emmy Sean Roberts Martinez whipped out that 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 set <laughs> in, in the last five minutes and and ultimately won yeah. Argentina that final. Right. That I don't know if that yeah. goal was going to be. Uh, a lead or a draw for 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 France, but look at what mm. that save did in Argentina. I mean, you see these videos yeah. of Buenos Aires erupting in tumultuous noise, going absolutely apeshit after that save, and, and then when the final whistle blew. So those are my moments, and mm. you know, it, you have to consider what it does for a nation, what it does for a fan. That's just my opinion. Yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, and just to add on that. Kurt Kamel, the greatest final ever, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. easily, easily, easily. Incredible, I think, hey? Yeah, crazy. One of the greatest, I think the greatest game I've ever seen, like, for a long time, wow. it was it was Spurs and City, like the one Champions League game, and then, like, after that, I saw that, I was like, this is, like, yeah. the greatest thing I've ever seen. Look, I do remember watching the 2005 Champions League final between, obviously, Liverpool and AC Milan, mm. and that second half, yeah. Into extra time was was phenomenal. Yeah. That that comeback, but in terms of the I, I don't know, just the stage that that was on last year in Qatar, um, the fact that it was Mbappe scoring two late goals to to equalize, um, the the fact that Mbappe scored a hat trick in a World Cup mm. final and didn't win. <laughs> um, like Aiden just touched on, that was—I mean—that was such a big moment, and that was the—that was the winning there goal. Go. That would have been the winning goal for Muani. Um, I think it was four minutes from time, mm. um, and then straight away from that, Argentina break, and they have a chance. And no, that game was, yeah, that—that that was the best final I think I've ever seen. I think it's going to uh, be the best final for a very, people. very long time. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, in terms of football, I think this weekend's going to take the cake, to be honest. But uh, fingers crossed, we. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before I go, I think uh, I think I speak for all of us when we we say we we wish the Springboks well against the mortal yes. enemy, the All Blacks. It's gonna be it's gonna be a humdinger, as the kids are saying these days. And uh, can't, 
They are. You hear them saying that word all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you hanging around kids, Aiden? Yeah. It's so bizarre. Sure, as a producer, sure as a, as a, a little bit too far once again. But wow. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to next week. Cheers, thank Aiden. You, Bob. Cheers, Aiden. I think that uh, profile pic of Aiden suits, uh, anyway, the kitty hanging around you. So, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is how we wrap up the best episode I've ever had on the internet so whether you have been listening on snl24.com forward slash soccer google play apple podcast or spotify as always thank you for tuning in Kamal thank you Kurt thank you hopefully same time same place next week Aiden thank you until next time cheers guys cheers guys thank you so much